You're listening to Errol Parker and Clancy Overall, editors of the Batuta Advocate on Desert Rock FM. Well, welcome back to the Batuta Advocate Radio Show, recording live here from Desert Rock FM Studios. You're joined by myself, Clancy Overall, editor of the Batuta Advocate, and Errol Parker. How are you, Errol? Yeah, good to be back on the microphone for 2023. We had a bit of a break over the summer. Yeah, no, the silly season's about to finish. Or the start, if you've uh, worked in hospitality for the whole of summer, like many, many thousands of people have done around the country. Yeah, it's, um, you know, for the most part, I guess the hospo workers will have their time in the sun or their time in the beer garden. But the rest of us, it's time to start focusing on those New Year's resolutions we made halfway through the silly season. You know, the winter codes will kick off and everyone will become a bit more sports mad. And uh, on top of all that, it's time to focus on health and well-being and uh, just getting on with the year. Now, today's guest, Martin Stark, is a real advocate for health and well-being. And I say that because you don't often meet someone who actually works in health and well-being. It's usually health or it's well-being. But what you're doing, Martin, is the two of those things. You're advocating both, you know, fitness and improving your physical health as well as people's well-being and their, you know, their self-worth and um, quality, effectively. And you've, you've managed to do this through founding the World Gay Boxing Championships, which I believe is about to be inaugural. Yeah, we've got one month to go until the world's first boxing competition for the LGBTQ plus community and allies. It's been an eventful three and a half years since I had a crazy idea is why not just organise a boxing tournament thinking not going to be too much hard work Yeah, and it's taken yeah. the best part of my <laughs> life for the last three and a half yeah. years. You're a boxing promoter, by the way. It's a career that often uh, is associated with organised crime. Did you find yourself delving into the dark arts of hosting an event where people engage in combat sports in front of bloodthirsty fans? Well, I, I applied for my boxing promoter's licence a few months ago, so this is <laughs> my, my first event. So I'm thinking the crimes are going to be, like if you're going to have a homophobic slur or you're going to be putting somebody down, you've got mass supporters there who yeah. are going to be waving rainbow flags to get you out of there. And the only thing that's welcome <laughs> is people. The only thing we don't welcome is hate. So Yeah, yeah. yeah it, 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 I, I look forward to it. It's going to be... I've been to many boxing events, as as Errol, and quite often there's an animosity in the room. But this one's going to be all love, I think. There's certainly going to be the animosity you know, between because people want to win the world title. You yeah. know, we're, we're giving world title, so. But this is all about love and acceptance. Mm. And I think one of the misnomers about boxing is it's people don't understand the spirit of boxing at your local boxing gym when you're sparring for the first time. The coach in your corner, mm-hmm. there's a lot of support and love. There's still like you know, get in there, get and do it. Mm. But there's so much support in the boxing community. Quite an egalitarian environment, would you find, in the in the boxing gym? Yeah, very mm. much so. I mean, certainly the gyms I've trained up belong to, very much have, have been welcomed. I think there are still some stigmas mm. about game by men boxing. Mm. And I think those are the barriers that I want to remove. Yep. It's also about a gym making an environment feel welcome. Yep. Uh, you may not feel that your environment is not welcome, but... If I was sparring and somebody called me a faggot, mm-hmm. would you say something? Or yeah. is it, it's banter, it's okay, you have to put up with it. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that, that. I mean, that's sport. It's one of the great problems that sport has in this day and age is, uh, you know, 
as we we often see in the media, is kind of weeding out this kind of banter, yeah. as it would be described. Yeah, you were saying that this road has taken you three years to get to the basically the start of. Yeah. How do you go about starting your own boxing competition? You start out by just sharing your vision and communicating. Mm-hmm. Whenever you have a dream, just start communicating. This is what you want to do. The second thing was forming a not-for-profit association. Mm-hmm. So have an excellent board. People are skilled in various activities and yeah. with professional backgrounds to actually go and do something like this. Mm-hmm. The third is to start building relationships. Mm-hmm. I've never done boxing, anything like this before, but I reached out to people within the boxing community who run events, who provide referees and judges. So that's how I started and that's how I'd recommend anybody to get started. Communicate, find people to help you, and build those relationships. So you were saying that you weren't, like you didn't come from a boxing type of background. What drew you to boxing initially? So my story really dates back to 2006. Mm -hmm. I had gallstones blocking my liver and I had an undiagnosed rare water immune disease. I had a procedure to try and remove some gallstones. Mm -hmm. Dye seeped into my pancreas and I went into uh, admission into ICU. I had severe acute pancreatitis, my lungs had collapsed, and then went into septic shock. So I was placed in two induced comas. My second induced coma prior to that, I lived through my worst fear. This is my normal voice when I speak, not through my diagram. So so I had a a tracheotomy. And I remember thinking, am I going to die? Struggling to breathe. But the strength of the people around me as they were performing the tracheotomy. Fast forward to the end of 2017, I have Addison's disease. It's what JFK had. Yeah, I was going to say, it's a very presidential, very presidential, presidential yeah. illness <laughs> condition. My body doesn't produce cortisol. And I've been admitted to hospital 70 times in the last 17 years. I was in hospital a couple of weeks ago. But I almost died again at the end of 2017. From Addison's. From Addison's. And can you just um, explain, because a lot of people don't realise this about JFK, that... It is a debilitating illness and because he was always about you know, making appearances. And I guess people with Addison's can't often do that. What happens? It slows you down? You go through bouts? or You go through bouts. So we, we think about cortisol as the stress hormone. Mm-hmm. There are three types of stress, psychological, emotional, and physical stress. Mm-hmm. Now, in any environment of stress, your body will produce more cortisol. Yep. Mine doesn't. Yep. People with Addison's disease take replacement cortisol. If you have a cold or a chest infection, your body will produce more cortisol. Mine doesn't. So when I'm getting sick, I can get very sick very quickly. You go into what's called an adrenal crisis. So I take my hydrocortisone twice a day. So JFK constantly would have been in that pressure environment. So imagine imagine how much he was doing during the Cuban Missile Crisis. Absolutely. So it's definitely something in terms of health and well-being that you have to be on every day. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 It's a few weeks ago, quite unwell and ended up calling the ambulance. So within 50 minutes, ambulance arrived. They started giving me fluids, an emergency injection of hydrocortisone. They were also giving me uh, some glucose to to eat because my blood sugar had gone quite low level down. Those actions probably prevented me from being hospital about three or four days. Mm -hmm. Straight to emergency more fluids, stay overnight, and I'm discharged the next day. Yep. In 2017, it was so severe, they took me straight into the resuscitation section of emergency. My pulse was below 40. It took 20 times my normal dose to stabilize me. Yep. 
So my mind, I'm thinking, I know what's next. It's back in those induced comas. Yeah. Or am I going to die? Yeah, just horror. Just horror. So yeah. my background is I had a few self-defense classes to try to overcome the PTSD. I had a boxing class and it's really... So, so it is, it, you'd say, um, I never thought of that. I mean, I'd imagine self-defense would help people with PTSD who's someone who might have uh, encountered a physical kind of you know incident or, yeah. or kind of an attack or something like that. But the PTSD of your illness at that time, the comas and that kind of stuff, it also helps, the self-defense? It did for me because I was able to be in an environment where I was completely uncomfortable yeah. and discovered something I could do quite well. Yeah. And just hitting the pads, hitting the bags in yeah. an environment where you can just channel that energy. Yeah. The first time I did shadow boxing, I realized that I mattered more than I was giving myself credit yeah. for. Because not I made, thought- Not made of glass. If, if you hit me, it's fine. That was how I was telling myself, but I was realized that I'm not always gonna be as strong as what everybody else yeah. thinks I am or what I probably think I should be. Mm. And, I, and I mattered more than I was giving myself credit for. Yeah. And you kind of learnt your own capabilities and your own strength, I guess. Absolutely, your, yeah. yeah. I, my sport at school was swimming. I yeah. was a very good swimmer. I could never kick a ball. I could never throw a ball. I was always yeah. the last one to be picked at school sports. Would never have considered boxing whatsoever. Yeah. But imagine if I'd had the opportunity or said you could do this and I was encouraged. You know, I would have really enjoyed boxing maybe in my teens and yeah. early 20s and... I'm almost 50. I'm 29 in gay years, but you know, I'm, 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 I'm in 50 in a few years' time. It's an interesting point because you, you, you're talking about pathways here for boxing. Yeah. You know, young gay kids should be just as uh, encouraged to get involved because I, I'm not sure where you grew up in almost any town in the world. The kids that are boxing are usually the troubled kids or the kids that actually, you know, someone in the community suggests this kid probably needs to learn to look after himself a bit like that. And it's, it's not really encouraged you know, um, amongst even girls or, you know, any anyone else outside of the mould of someone at that age as a teenager. Uh, it's usually something for a kid who's naughty or something for a kid who needs to channel his energy outside of causing trouble. You know, and it's interesting. When I grew up in the UK, I would have associated boxing with the private schools. Yeah, right. Because it was seen as, if you went, what, what, oh, Oxford Blues, like a, yeah. Oxford yeah. Blues, you yeah. tough something I never considered and what I love in Australia is how boxing is really is that grassroots community sport yeah. the PCYC's and mm -hmm. boxing does provide that avenue that opportunity for people to be taken outside their comfort zone and seeing what's possible for themselves but it wasn't until 2010 mm. that women could compete in boxing yeah. in New South Wales yeah yeah right I did not know it was yeah that no recent. well and it was also because I'd say that boxing, particularly at the PCYC gyms, it gave these kids an opportunity to punch a cop uh, <laughs> without any repercussions whatsoever. Yeah. So I think that really uh, contributed to you know its explosion in popularity <laughs> yeah. once the PCYCs came on board with it. You, you see that too with boxing. You see the different waves. Right now there's a kid, and I can't remember his name. I watched Harry Garside fight him, and there's a kid at a black town who's now the pride of the Sudanese community. And you see the different waves over the years. Billy the Kid Dib yeah. and all of these different identities that kind of come from, uh, you know, working families, yeah. grassroots level. It's a great thing for an immigrant kid to just wander in the door one day and find something he loves. But, you know, you're saying that that wasn't really available to you as a young gay kid. I never even considered it. Yeah. 
I'm sure there was a boxing club where I grew up, had, had those opportunities. Mm. It was never a consideration. Mm -hmm. There are two barriers I really want to achieve. One is for the LGBTQ plus community to consider boxing yeah. and other sports for them. Yeah. But also remove the barriers within the sport to stop the discrimination, yeah. to support people so they can participate in the sport. I mean, is that something you're thinking about the lack of participation right now? If you just say it to me as you know, an outsider who's you know not a gay person, I would think that the biggest issue would be what we spoke about earlier with the banter and the kind of the macho attitudes that have existed in gyms for millennia being an unpleasant place for a gay person. But have you found there's also a stigma from the gay community as well about boxing and uh, and so, why they wouldn't get involved? So, so uh, the conversations I've had with with other people in the community the last few years, people mm. say, I would never consider it for me. It's, mm. it's, it's the things I probably thought about the sport. So there's that stigma to remove. Yeah. And I want to challenge people who think banter, homophobic, racist comment jokes mm. is banter. Mm -hmm. People confuse banter with camaraderie. Yep. Give an example. When I had my first fight, I had a yellow mohawk, mm -hmm. rainbow flag, walked out to relax by Funky Goes to Hollywood, <laughs> yes. went back with my coach. And I was at an event a couple of years ago and I still had yellow hair and a very good friend of mine just came and said, Nobody would think you're a gay guy here because you have yellow hair. Yeah. You know, it knew him really well. And it was just really funny. Yeah. But if I'd been in that event and somebody said, look at that faggot there with the yeah. yellow hair. Yeah. He may have thought that was funny. Or something which, which they actually think is innocent, like, oh, you're such a good fighter. I didn't think you could be gay. Yeah. We can see the line. And people know the line. They do. Yeah. They do. Tell me, though, why hasn't it happened before? Why do you think it hasn't happened before? Because... Sydney Convicts is a great example of this kind of reclaiming a sport. You know, the, the gay rugby team in, uh, in Sydney that they play in the Sydney Comp and they're, you know, the burliest, biggest, well-groomed rugby footballers you'll ever see in your life. And they're, they're quite a competitive team. And, you know, it's, it's been a great avenue for gay kids getting into rugby is the Convicts. What do you think? Not so much. We've just explained the pathways and the kind of the lack of participation, but something like the competition. Surely there's got to be... A whole community of blokes like you around the world. So there are LGBTQ boxing clubs all mm -hmm. over the world. Yeah. One started in Melbourne last year called uh, the, the Upper Cats and they train on a Saturday morning. There's a local club in Sydney called the Sydney Hookers. Yeah. In London, there's Knockout London. There are different clubs. Right. in New So there have been a few events. There have been LGBTQ fight nights in yeah. London. I just don't think anybody has done it to the extent that I want to achieve. If we think... The gay game started 41 years ago. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking. And it's always been about inclusion. It doesn't matter. You don't have to be LGBTQ+. You can come along and participate in the sport. Yeah. I just think nobody's ever done it. I also think boxing is a sport where the participants change the sport. Think what Muhammad Ali achieved outside of the ring. Yeah. Think what women have achieved in the last 30 years in boxing. Mm -hmm. It was only last year that women headlined boxing at the O2 Arena and Madison Square Gardens. Yeah. 2022. 2022. Women still have a lot of barriers yeah. in sport. We're talking about equity. I think in women's boxing, it's still two-minute rounds. Yeah. Let's talk about moving it to three-minute rounds. Mm. It is interesting because I, I, I thought combat sports are probably the best at weaving uh, men's and women's participation because in its essence there's something in combat sports where they realize different horses for different courses. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Weight divisions. 
You look at people, and you look at people on social media making fun of the women cricketers or the women footballers about how they're not as good as the men, or they can't kick as far as the men, or they can't do this and that. But that's not really a conversation in combat sports because we've got weight division. We don't put a ban and weight against Mike Tyson. No, you know, no, you, you, yeah. play, you play to your field and you play to your strength and your size, which I, I always thought there was a... Maybe it's just in, in modern-day boxing in Australia, but you do see the, the headline or the, the card split between men and women now, and, and people understand that women boxing is just like watching any other weight division. It's been that gradual change. Yeah. yeah. I think there's been a step change in the last 11 years since women were able to compete in boxing at the Olympics. Yeah. You think that was the kind of... I think that was a... You look about Nicola Adams, what she achieved, double Olympic gold medalist. Yeah, right. She retired undisputed, boxing champion. So many women have achieved so much. Yeah. And really a short period of time, like boxing has been around before, you know, the modern Olympics. Yeah, yeah it's... I mean, I would have thought it was... Uh, Clint Eastwood in uh, Million Dollar Baby was a big accelerant too in female <laughs> boxing. That was kind of when it, it also hit the mainstream there. But the idea of a world gay boxing championships, you've um, put it out there. How much was the uptake? Did they rush? Did all these clubs rush it's, to you? Or? So it was, oh, how do I talk about the journey? Mm. It was reaching people yep. that I didn't know were friends or were ever involved in the sport. Yep. So it was reaching the, the different boxing clubs. Also, the friends I've made within the Australian boxing community. Mm-hmm. I have a person, there's a member of my gym or club who's LGBTQ+. Mm-hmm. So people were already there, but they may not have been had that opportunity. Yeah. I've done a lot of activism. You know, I've spoken out against racism. I've spoken out against homophobia in sport. I want to stop the activism and just enjoy the sport. Mm-hmm. I think we're a good 10, 11 probably 10 years away at least Mm -hmm. until the need for having an LGBTQ boxing competition will exist. So that's your dream to make it redundant? Yeah. That's an interesting mission statement. Well, somebody else may take this on at a future stage. I think there'll always be LGBTQ affinity sport, Mm. but I want the reason I set this up to no longer exist. Yeah. Where has the most interest come from? And where are you finding these established LGBT communities? I'm getting a lot of interest in Africa. Yeah, right. We have a lot of boxers in Africa who want to come out here and compete yeah and there's been interest from people of all ages mm-hmm. somebody in the late sixes wanted to come the game masters yeah, yeah <laughs> it's it's just been remarkable i do want to call out the world boxing council yeah. when i first approached them for a statement of support within two days i was getting a letter and a video and last year they published on their website that they're proud to be an lgbtq plus ally and support the World Gay Boxing Championships. And the statement wasn't just one of those, yet there's nothing to it. They talked about people facing discrimination, people discrimination, persecution, how participatory support is a key intervention strategy. So to get that visible support. They just got it from the mark. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing how fast it's moved, really. Yeah. Because you say it started three years ago. Yeah. But that was three years ago in pandemic years. Yeah. Basically one year ago. And all of a sudden, we're going down to Randwick Racecourse. Is this where you're hosting? So this? we're yeah, looking around Randwick. That's where yeah. we want to host at the moment. But yeah. we've got a few. <laughs> one of the hardest things about the boxing is like all the registrations, getting people things in. Yeah. So and the insurance and all that. Stuff, yeah, you know. there's so much to go into it. <laughs> well, you gave a shout out to the uh, the boxing council. We'll give a shout out now to Peter Volandis. If if there's any man that can make this thing happen at Randwick Racecourse, it's you, Mister Sydney. I want to talk though about what's happening around this. There's something 
I believe, called World Pride Month. So Sydney World Pride. Sydney World Pride. And Mardi Gras starts... 17th of February, if I get yeah. the date wrong, yeah, yeah. LGBTQ plus people <laughs> give me a break. It's probably the, yeah. the sparring until yeah. around the 5th or 6th of March. I want to talk about the origins of Pride. Yeah, please. So in the, the first Pride March, you think about the Stonewall Inn mm-hmm. in New York City. Yep. The prejudice people were getting every single day mm-hmm. and the whole community, trans women of colour, mm-hmm. black people, tra- mm-hmm. the whole trans community came out we stand for this we don't want to be persecuted anymore i mean that went on for a period of time and then i think it was the christopher day street parade started the the year later Mm -hmm. it started out as a protest about human rights and equality and it's been 50 plus year journey Mm -hmm. for people to still have the right to exist in an environment where they receive dignity courtesy respect so pride has always been about human rights but it's also a celebration yeah we invite people to join us i was in the mardi gras parade last year to my left harry garside to my right charlie hall who's a wbc ambassador champion fantastic yeah nrl afl everyone's kind of getting on board now with a float and i mean even last year we had the second kind of ever rugby league footballer to come out in the shape of Toby Rudolph 20 years after yeah. Ian Roberts. Do you feel like the, the pride community is fighting for those those people? Yeah, I believe now the hate is harder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, okay. I call this period the great pushback. Yeah. When somebody describes something as woke, my question is, how are you defining that? Mm-hmm. For me, wokery is just an excuse for what freedom of speech because you're going to be a bigot. Yeah. For me, it's about being against discrimination, yeah. being against homophobia, being against racism. Let's just raise awareness, but let's start making these changes yeah. happen. The internet, it's a kind of accelerated a lot of things that maybe you would have only heard on the street. So at the end of the 2021 English Premier League season, the Professional Footballers Association issued a report. So this is not, not just the Premier League players, some of the other players in the other divisions. Yeah. Two out of every single player had received online abuse. Of that abuse, a third of that contained homophobia. And I remember when football would be on on the weekends and there was was no social media, there was no internet. There's there's just this this barrier now. And I think we just need to work through that, Mm -hmm. get the voices out there and come and join us at World Pride. It's going to be absolutely fantastic. You're going to have main events you've got. There's no way you could not have a good time there. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. <laughs> no, like they only shut the Sydney Harbour Bridge for events like this maybe a few times a decade. Yeah. yeah. So what's happening in Sydney? And tell me a little bit about the global community. Like are we getting every hotel, Airbnb, is it, is it one of those kind of events? Is it like I an believe so. So every, every couple of years, the city gets the rights to host what's called World Pride. Yep. So it's been held in New York, in London. I think Washington, D.C., Barcelona. Barcelona. So it's the first time it's been held in the Southern Hemisphere. Mm -hmm. So you're going to have people coming out to enjoy. There's a human rights conference. There's a big arts festival. There's a big sports festival. You have the traditional Mardi Gras events. It's still the Mardi Gras parade. So they've timed it together? Perfectly. There's going to be a beach party at Bondi. Opening it. It's just going to be 
every city will have their own pride event but mm. this is the world pride event so yeah. it's a real focus point for australia just to show how welcoming we are yeah, but yeah. you know it's the biggest event in sydney since the 2000 olympics yeah it sounds it sounds like and it kind of hasn't really um i mean the people of sydney will know it's on when it's on but it, it hasn't really been given the kind of the ramp up i guess because People aren't aware of what is involved in hosting, and I guess a lot of the communities taking it upon themselves to organise it. Because what I really like about the festival is, is there's the Pride Amplified events, mm-hmm. there's the Arts Festival, there's the Sports Festival. So you have organisations like World Gay Boxing Championship being able to be part of this. So I really see this as a community opening up mm-hmm. to all our friends and allies to come and join us and partake in something, as well as celebrate World Pride and Mardi Gras. I know it's a shame that half of Oxford Street at the moment is a construction site. That's a little bit of foresight from the City of Sydney Council might have uh, it's not gone like astray. It's a demolition site when they're done, mate. Yeah. When Mardi Gras and World Pride converge on Oxford Street, yeah. I think the whole place will have to be a construction site. It's going to be one hell of a party. Have we got any international acts coming through? I believe so, but... Oh, he's not going to say. I'm not going to say. Yeah. So, so there are, <laughs> I can't remember off the top of my head. Yeah, I'm going to get into trouble now because like, I should have known all of this. <laughs> yeah. Darren Hayes, was he Mardi Gras last year? Yes. Yeah, he was Mardi Gras. There's, there's been some big hitters just with Mardi Gras. So World Pride's going to be an interesting one. Have you ever attended any of these around the world? Not a World Pride. I was in Sao Paulo last year for Sao Paulo Pride. Right. There were three million people <laughs> of the city. <laughs> but it, it, it was awesome. It was it was so much fun. But I, I'm biased. I still think Sydney does it best. Yep. I mean, you just look at it now with Elton John in Australia. Yeah. He loves being in Sydney. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's going to be... I mean, I haven't even considered this. Until this interview, I've not even considered the need to go and have a look at all this because it's going to be, uh, you know, like you said, biggest thing since the Olympics. Where are you timed to sit in this? So we're beginning the first weekend. Your first weekend? Weekend, yeah. So they have other sporting events. One of my friends, she's organising a martial arts festival. The Sydney Silverbacks Wrestling, they're organising a different event. There's soccer, there's swimming festival. So please check out World Pride Sports and see what else is is taking place and support the LGBTQNI sporting community. Big year for Sydney, South by Southwest, World Pride, World Gay Boxing, as well as every grand final they host. Yeah, who needs Melbourne? No, we don't need them. (laughs) (laughs) Melbourne's not a queer capital in the scheme of things, is it? No, it's the sporting capital. Yeah, it's the sporting capital. Well, Martin's working tirelessly to make Sydney both the queer capital and sporting capital as one with World Gay Boxing. Excited to see some of the talent coming through here. Yeah, very much so. And I'm actually want to give a shout out to a good boxing friend of mine, Kate McLaren, who I met a few days ago. Mm-hmm. What I like about the boxing community is giving back to the community. Mm-hmm. And Kate is setting up a not-for-profit called It's Her. Mm-hmm. And it's providing an online space for women to access resources, help in, in various different ways. Yeah. And you see many boxers support the community. Yeah and give back. So I just wanted to give a big shout out to yeah. Kate for the work that she's doing. Yeah. Shout out to Kate. Shout out to everyone involved in the World Gay Boxing Championships. Everyone's invited except Manny Pacquiao. <laughs> I would, you know, I, I'm going to invite Manny. I'm going to have a conversation. I'm going to say, you know what, Manny, you apologise. I accept your apology. Will you hold pads for me? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He can put him in your corner. Are you going to fight? No, I'm the promoter. Okay. Yeah, uh, that would be that kind of crooked uh, boxing promoting we were talking about at the start of the show. But this is a not-for-profit, and um, all the best with it, man. Sounds like a great idea. Uh, thanks very much, my friends.